Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I am ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, then let's go! Oh, yes, Wednesday night, baby. Welcome to Sports Honchos. Live from New York, you're surely Mr. Paul Cuthbert. And everybody, please say hello to the other guy from the great state of Maryland, Mr. Robert Cuny. What's up, brother? Greetings and salutations, everybody. I don't know that I like to be called, quote, the other guy, but I'll take it. I'll take it. It's fine. I, I've I've been demeaned before. Hey, uh, happy, happy Veterans Day to the entire sports honchos listening audience, the whole mishpocha, as our people would say. So um, a very happy Veterans Day, not the somber day that Memorial Day is. And if we had a three-hour show, we'd go through the difference between the two. But happy Veterans Day to you and yours. Specifically to those who have served, sacrificed. No, no, no. This is not the sacrifice one. That's Memorial Day. This is those who served our country. So to the family and friends and the veterans themselves, we say happy Veterans Day. Hey, I got a question for you. Hold on a second. Let's friends. stay with this, this Veterans Memorial Day argument for a second here. Well, it's not, not an argument. Petty it's just because it's, it's, it's not to be made light of. No. But it, uh, am I out of bounds to... To say thank you for those who have sacrificed on Veterans Day? No, no, it's 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 never out of bounds to thank those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. It's just we've taken Memorial Day, which by its name is a time to remember the fallen who have died serving this country and protecting this country. And that's Memorial Day. Veterans Day is, I don't want to say it's more of a fun or lighter day, but it's really a celebration of all veterans, and a thank you to veterans, preferably and presumably those that are still living. That's why we have the two holidays. It seems odd to have two of the same holiday, even in this country, uh, where we love the holidays. So you're not out of bounds. It's just we have I, made I for that. I believe this day is the more serious day because Memorial Day is turned into, um, you know, barbecues and parties and, you know. Right. Uh, it has lost its serious and, tone. You know, specials at the bar and, and everything else where I, I think today is more of the direct focus on the service of the men and women. And I would like to include those who have sacrificed and their families as well. And that's, that's again, there's never a wrong time. But you, you did the whole, whoa, whoa, watch yourself yeah, but, there, Cuthbert guy, in the intro, and I, I'm, I'm, i got to defend myself here. Well, hey, I like what you did there. Get it? I have to defend myself <laughs> on Veterans Day. See, on Memorial Day, I can't do that because it seems to fly in the face of the more somber and serious tone, even if we are barbecuing and watching cars drive around the Oval. Uh, but Veterans Day, again, to me, has always been, you know, the lighter of the two. But uh, it's never a bad time 
to acknowledge those who made the every ultimate day, sacrifice Memorial Day for this country. That, that, you know what? Let's agree on that. Every Let's day. Write Let's write a letter. So every day should be Memorial Day. Wouldn't it be great? We just have every day off from work. Every day is a federal holiday. Do, 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 do. So, well, if, if, if the people <laughs> of this country don't get their acts together, nobody's going to be going to work soon. Well, agreed. And we have lots of instances on tonight's exciting showgram of people who where do you need want to learn to start, how to buddy? follow some rules. Well, I got a couple of things for you. As I said, I have a question for you. Since Go we've already it. had one debate, let's let's have another one quickly. And then I've got the story of the year right here is paper ruffles. When somebody says to you, Paulie, Paulie, you're always invited. That phrase, that specific yes, phrase. I've heard that, and yes. and, I'll, and I'll give you a little context. If somebody you're talking to a friend, a presumed friend, not a veteran. Uh, and they say to you, you know, Paulie, you really ought to see what we've done to the house. And you say, well, I've never been invited. And they say, pish tosh, Paul, you're always invited. Well, I, I think in what, that is, what does aspect, that mean to you? That, that that is an untrue term. Then they are those people are being untrue. Now, does that mean you can show up or at, sincere? Say, uh, untrue is not right. Th- They're not being sincere. Because I'll tell right, you of course what, not. I tell people you're always invited. And believe me, mm-hmm. I would prefer a text or a phone call or at least a postcard before you come over to the house. Because you're not you're not showing up. They're, they're not giving you open season carte blanche to show up to their house at three in the morning. You know, not with a even a three in the pot afternoon. Of, pot of Nescafe and saying, hey, you're what's up? I'm always invited, like, but I need a heads kitchen. up. <laughs> right. And because to me, the phrase you're always invited is there's no fucking way I'm having you in my house. <laughs> but I, I can't say that to you. I can't say, six, yeah, I haven't invited you because you're, you're a slob. <laughs> I haven't invited you because you're a slob, and I don't want you putting your feet on the furniture. I can't really stand the way you smell after about two Whoa, in the afternoon. What kind of people so no. are you hanging out with? Um, these are fictional people, of course. Oh, okay. So, but you can't say that to friends and family and such, especially to family. So you say, hey, you're always invited. Oh, I can't. Get but your you're not my really invited because if they wanted you, and yes, I know this is again, who is this guy? Why do you stay up at night thinking about these things? If they wanted you to come over to see, you know, you, you have to come over and see the island we have in the kitchen. You'll love it. They would just say to you, Paulie, come over tomorrow at seven o'clock and bring a bunt cake. <laughs> okay. But when they say to you, Oh, you're always invited. Well, that, there's no less sincere an invitation than that. I have to agree. And I would have uh, – wow. Wait, hey, folks. Uh, five minutes, ten minutes into the show, and I've already got Paul to agree with me. All right. Are you ready for the story of the year? Well, hold on. Are you okay oh. with this? Are we going to move on? Well, sure. We can move on. I just – I, I, you know I got my therapy. Anytime yes. you're in town, you're always invited. Yeah, I'm always invited. Here. All right. Hey, you know what, Paul? Just You're never me. invited. You're never invited. I'm going to be honest with you because, you know, we're, we're pals. We're podcast spouses. Never invited. The I can barely stand to see you on Spike. On high alert. I, I said Spike. I'm an old man. I can barely stand you on Skype, which, you know, <laughs> today, you know, never look better. All right. Oh, man. This is the story of the year. Perhaps some of you have heard of it. Some, perhaps some of you haven't. I'm just going to read the headline from the New York Post. 
Oh, you went to the post? Of course. The story of the year. Of course. Oh, the story no. of the year. Mike Tyson, colon, <laughs> I put baby urine in a fake penis to pass drug tests. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner for the story of the year. Mike Tyson, the boxing legend, as the story says, explained on his hot boxing. That was, by the way, the, the name we had originally come up with for this podcast, but <laughs> it was sadly taken. Explained on his hot boxing podcast this week how he faked his way through drug tests and his strategy, and this is some New York Post humor, is a pissa, spelled in the post P-I-S-S-A-H. He said it was awesome, man. Tyson said of using a prosthetic penis equipped with a pee bag to pass urine assessments. I put my baby's urine in it. I, 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 th that sentence is fraught with so much peril. I'm just going to move on from it. Tyson chose to fill his device called a Wizenator. And for those Ricky Williams fans, you remember his escapades with the Wizenator with his child's urine instead of his wife's for fears that for fear that hers would show up pregnant, he told UFC Vice President of Athletic Health and Performance, Jeff Nowitzki. And then just to finish off this fabulous story, the urine test Tyson was being subjected to required not only a sample, but that he performed the deed in front of a tester. Meaning, ready? He needed to make sure this Wizenator was a convincing body double for the actual member. Do you have the right color Wizenator, asked Nowitzki? Hell yeah, I had a brown one, responded Tyson. And that, kids, hey, don't do drugs. That, though, is, to me, the story of the year. Any, any story that begins with, I put baby urine in a fake penis, winner, winner, poultry dinner. This is fantastic. I can pee. <laughs> you are a uh, you are a scary scary man my friend oh my god did not and see hey. that <laughs> did not well, see that uh, I didn't uh, see that story this week and uh, <laughs> I really didn't think we were going to actually start off the show with that kind of a, a summary aren't, column aren't you glad? just ladies and gentlemen Robert Cuny, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, he finds them, and he brings them to us. Thanks a lot. Bob. Everyone is glad they tuned in today. Hey, listen, uh, speaking of uh, fake penises. Oh, there's come a, there's, on, man. But there's a professional radio segue. Jeffrey Tubin was fired by the New Yorker <laughs> just hours ago. So, Nighty night, Jeff. And you can Have refer back to uh, episode four of the Sports Hunters, where Jeffrey Tubin was featured on the episode. Prominently. Like his own schminky on fourth, Zoom. Right? Yeah, I yeah, who good can luck, remember Jeff. that far back. Good luck, who man. can remember that far back? Who can? All right, well. Captain. Lead on. Is it Oregon time? <laughs> hey! All right, let's talk Oregon. some See what I did there? sports, ladies and gentlemen, right here on Sports. Did we do sports Nacho. on this show? Yes. I've forgotten. All right, pal. Um, I guess we should talk about the... Uh, Minor league baseball. I mean, what do we call it? Is it, is it still MLB, Major League Baseball, or, or I mean, the stories out of that league this week from That's... cheaters returning, old yep. men with DUI records 
getting nope. hired. People with we, COVID uh, celebrating. Um, we once again have to have revisit the conversation from last week about second chances. Who deserves them? Who doesn't? Um, the the Red Sox have, and this I just don't understand. Not, not so much the rehiring, but the Red Sox have rehired Alex Cora to manage them. He's the one who managed them to the World Series a couple of years ago, allegedly through nefarious means. And he was, I, I believe, involved with the Houston Astros scandal. So he double dipped. It's a two for Tuesday for baseball cheaters. And I'm, look, A.J. Hinch got hired and I didn't say anything about it. And I'm not going to say anything about Cora being hired, but I feel like the Red Sox kind of, this was their plan all along. But instead of just suspending him, and I don't know under Major League Baseball, if you get suspended, are you allowed to still come to the ballpark, have communication with the team? I don't know that. But why fire him? And then once this Major League Baseball suspension is over, bring him back. Why not just say, hey, we've suspended him, and he's still our guy. Because whether you say he's still our guy in 2019 or in 2020, Whatever backlash you imagine you're going to face, you're still going to face. So I don't get it. Why not just, I don't know why I go through the song and dance of firing him just to, quote, bring him back. Well, they had to let the, you know, they had to let the story go away for a while. Yeah. I guess. Most but, I mean, they still could have done that by suspending him. Well, can and, I, and as I, you know, As I said, it, this, yeah, but this also goes to uh, even Larusa in Chicago. We talked about mm. this. I mean, there's obviously just not a lot of head coaching talent out there. Right. The, the fact that they, you know, it's like you know, we talked about this with you know WFAN bringing back Carton. Um, you know, the White Sox bringing back Larusa. Uh, he mm. might get fired now. We don't know, mm. but you know, it's like you know, and this, this was going on in the NHL for a while. It still is a little bit with the coaches just taking each other's you know seats and taking turns. So is this just a reflection of um, there's nobody else out there, so you got to just keep um, recycling, you know, these bench yeah. pieces? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, as far as the Boston Red Sox are concerned, for me, this individual right here on the other side of the mic down here in Long Island, New York, <laughs> uh, as a Yankees fan, I don't care. Um, and there's nothing me or you could do or any of the fans are going to do about it. So if the league okays it and the GMs okay it and the Boston Red Fox Red Fox Red Sox fans Great are comedian. okay uh, <laughs> with having this guy back behind their bench, and they want to deal with going around the country with him eventually down the road when teams can go back around the country again. Um, hey, look, love makes the sound, baby. This hot needs well, a second chance. You know, I'm sure Red Fox is looking down from above and he approves of the hire. Look, I don't mind yes, that he you. was. Thank you for that. I don't mind that he was rehired or hired, whatever it is. I, it's not that they're running out of coaching talent. I mean, he's a perfectly good manager, but I just, it's bizarre to me that you would fire someone when you had every intention of bringing them back instead of just suspending Because at the time, because this is what happens now, Rob, if there's public pressure, mm-hmm. okay, you know, it's what's beyond them to say, hey, look, AJ, just, we're going to fire you here. We're going to bring you back in a couple of, couple of years, okay? Yeah. Just go, you know. I mean, what's to say go that didn't happen? But, I mean, public perception or at the time, you know, they had to do the quote-unquote right thing, I guess, or the aha, right. hey, we got your guy here. 
And then the whole thing would use, I don't know, man. It's, I don't know. But again, I ultimately think it's unfortunate that in sports today, and, and we'd probably have to get some kind of, you know, sports historian on the sports honchos to really overanalyze <laughs> the difference between the, the shifting of the modern-day coaches today, regardless of story, um, fault, uh, you know, anything illegal these guys have done, anything wrong they've done, and then them getting their jobs back as opposed to what went on in, say, the early 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, all the way back. And I think the further back you get, Robert, uh, the worse it is, but the less public scrutiny there is. And so the switcheroos back then probably was like, you know, hey, look, uh, this guy, you know, he drunk driving last week, put a few people in the hospital, but just keep it quiet for a little bit, and then we'll bring him back. But today, no, it's a PR thing, as far as I'm concerned. It's hush-hush. No. And that's, that's, that's the answer to your question I'm trying to give you. Why did they fire him if they've only brought him back? I mean, why does anybody fire anybody and then bring him back? Yeah, you know? it's just, again, you know, me and the whole transparent thing. If they had said, as I said, be- said before, if they had said, we're suspending him, but he's going to come back in 2020 when his MLB suspension is over, right? I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. It's your right. Because they probably got tired of the letters, the phone mm-hmm. calls the pressure that's all it is and and it this happens in corporations and all kinds of jobs all across the country you know i mean your local bartender had a bad night or your local drunk came in one night uh, or your local guy at the country club came in one night and trashed the place got to let him go for a while yeah and then 6 months later 8 months later he's he's back at the bar he's it's okay now when everyone's forgotten about the transgression, hey, there he is, tending bar again. All right. So there you go. Makes sense, I suppose. Um, speaking of baseball and cheaters, and I'll show you how this connects to cheaters in a moment, the sound you hear of unmitigated, pure, unadulterated joy coming from the state of Maryland is the sound of my friend Pat, the best, the biggest Mets fan that I know, celebrating the end of the Wilpon dynasty. And ushering in one of my homies, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Steve Cohen, the new owner of the New York Mets, bought for the bargain basement sum, I might add, of 2.4 b b. That's billion with a B. And I bring this up because he's done a total house cleaning already. Yeah, he bought the team a couple weeks ago, and a few days ago he said to GM Brody Van Wagenen, sounds like a car we drove in the 1970s. Hey, man. Let's get the whole family together in the Brody Van Wagen and, and drive on down to the place of miniature golf. He's fired and his whole staff already been camped and probably for good reason, since as a former agent, you would think, all right, this guy was an agent. He probably knows baseball talent, but the, some of the biggest Met disaster free agent signings, Robinson Cano or the trade for Robinson Cano, getting Todd Frazier, getting Jed Lowry, Disaster, And they were all, by the way, not shocking Van Wagenen uh, clients. But I bring it up because in this story I'm reading from ESPN.com, the leading candidate to become the new GM of your New York Metropolitans is none other than Astros GM or former GM Jeff Lunau. Awesome. I mean, if that guy can get a job in baseball, anybody can. I mean, not just a cheater and a liar. But the one who presided over the Azuna mess during their run to the World Series, where he said, oh, Azuna, 
you know, harassing female reporters, eh, whatever. By the way, this, we is don't the, care. this is the soundtrack of the Mets romantic comedy. What? It's going what? to be released once this it's whole very nice. show with the new people in charge continues. I mean, uh, good luck, I guess, if you're going to have Jeff Lunau. Uh, I mean, no, uh, he did a great job building up the Astros, and he may or may not have a hand in the cheating scandal. Come he's, on, that's one he's of the repeatedly most, he's repeatedly most, denied it, which means he was probably me? he was elbows deep in it, obviously, the guy in charge because of, of all the, the denials. Didn't know about yeah. it? Are you kidding me? Who? Do you, how would you want that guy running your team if those guys were able to pull all that stuff behind you? Ah, Are but, you kidding see, me? But he's an analytics guy. There's the magic word. Steve oh. Cohen is an analytics guy. He wants eh, as long as you keep him away from trash cans and video cameras. They're going to build a winner. Such hey, at least he won't be bringing in his former how clients. Confident, how confident is this storyline that he might be getting the gig? How confident? Yeah. How, I, mean, I, I is this tend a positive, to. Is this a positive line here or is this hearsay or speculation? No, obviously it's all speculation. Okay. All right. That, but they're not saying they're not good. saying they're, they're at his house signing a contract now. Way. I hope it stays that way. I would see, I would think as a Yankees fan, you'd want this to happen. To your crosstown cross town rivals. Here's, I put this on Twitter the other day and, and to all my Facebook friends as well. <laughs> Look, after the Yankees win at least another three or four championships. Yes. I, I wish the Mets and Cohen all the best of luck for at least getting closer to making the playoffs. That's about it. All right. Because it's going to be a long way back to the top, baby. It really, really is. And like I said, you know, if, if that if that shit starts happening where they bring that guy in, you know, Cullen's there the other day in his press conference, and, you know, look, I, everybody's raving about this guy. I don't know too much about him. He seems to be a good guy. Look, I am all for all the New York franchises to have good, steady, stable ownership and management, okay? I'm a diehard Rangers fan here in New York. Uh, I respect Lou Lamorello and um, Barry Trotz. And what they're trying to do over here, and they got a new building coming and everything else, and they're stabilizing it because uh, it only makes the hockey and, and the sport better here in the region, right? And it makes the Rangers more competitive in the islands, and, and the Devils will do the same thing. So as far as us here in the tri-state area for hockey, I'm all for it because the rivalries is what makes the teams better, and it, it just makes the game. But there's nothing better than cross-town rivalries. It's the best. You know, as far as the Mets are concerned, I just think they're a joke. They've been a joke uh, for years. You know, it's uh, you know they're they're just a little bit higher than the Jets as far as an organization. And to me, in 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 one of the biggest, richest cities in the world, and the population here, and the money, and to just have just you know, and 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 like I said, you could you could look at the Rangers at least gotten close. They got into the Stanley Cup Finals here in 2014. I mean, geez, the Islanders just nothing since '83. You know, the Mets now, nothing since, what, 2000-something, whatever the heck it was. But it's just, I don't know. Just, uh, 2015. Yeah, so, still, it's a long time ago. But they didn't win, oh, so they haven't won since 86. You know? True. Rangers haven't won since 94. Islanders haven't won since 83. The Devils, 2000-something, whatever. They've actually done better. The smallest franchise in the area here have done better than uh, everybody else. You know, the Giants have won recently. At least the Giants kind of win in every decade. Same with the uh, the Yankees. But anyway, um, to me, look, just it's got to it's gotta get there. I wish them the best. I, I just, you know, to me, you know, I laugh, I joke. I just, you know, the Mets to me are just, 
They got a long way to go, and but I would like to see Cohen bring some stability back and and make them a winner because it'll be good for the area here. But I think the Mets are cursed, and I don't think they're ever going to win a, a championship ever again. Well, they I think suffer from the same things that we Redskins fans suffer from, or they suffered. You mean the Washington was Football Club? The woofed, yes. Um, bad ownership here has doomed this franchise for twenty years. And uh, Snyder is a little bit older than you and I, so uh, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Whereas under current, the previous ownership, uh, the Mets franchise was also doomed. But now, luckily, they get to celebrate somebody new. Okay? And, and hopefully, as you said, he, he brings new life into that franchise and a new, more professional way of doing things, treats people better. You know, the ownership group will treat their players and, and on off the field personnel better. And they can turn that around. You know, it starts at the top. You know, the best organizations start at the top. And are you going to say more mean things about the Mets? Because I wish a uh, standard disclaimer, folks, the views and opinions of Paul Cuthbert on the New York Metropolitans do not necessarily reflect every <laughs> member of the uh, Go Sports Media Company family. Thank you. Just wanted to get that out there. Okay. So we've been disclaimed. Fine. Now, do you want, as we round out baseball talk, I've got two stories left. A tale of two schmucks, as well, it were. I, I want to hear what, yeah, let's talk LaRusa and Justin Turner, and let's move forward. I mean, look, baseball's not going to be back for a while. So let's let's All close right. this out here with these two lulas. Let's, let's I guess the, the bigger schmuck here is not so much Justin Turner this week as it is Rob Manfred. Who oh, has decided? I didn't see that decided, on my notes. You didn't put that I'm in your not, notes. I'm not going to punish Justin Turner for leaving isolation after getting treatment or testing positive for COVID 19. By the way, because karma, as we know, is a real biatch, I'm have, I hold the story that you sent me. Dodgers organization has five positive coronavirus tests days after World Series win. Hey, who didn't see that one coming? Okay. But Justin Turner, who was. Nobody seems to care anyway, Rob. No. Nobody cares. But just, just again, Rob Manfred, who has proven that as a commissioner, he's a terrible enforcer of anything, that there is no punishment too small, no punishment too light, no punishment too trivial. Um, this is what he said, his official statement in clearing Justin Turner of any wrongdoing. Uh, we have, quote, we have all, we all have made mistakes. God, this just, this sounds ghostwritten too. We all have made mistakes as we navigated these unprecedented challenges and have tried to learn from these mistakes so they are not repeated, Manfred wrote. In other words, somebody in the commissioner's office wrote this for him. Uh, with this in mind, I'm closing this matter by applauding. Mary, right, because you're a super spreader. You're a typhoid Mary. So I'm going to applaud you by applauding Justin for accepting responsibility apologizing and making a commitment to set a positive example going forward. So I ask you, Mr. Manfred, when you say a positive example going forward, do you mean the next time Justin Turner tests positive for COVID right after his team wins the World Series? Is that the positive example he'll be setting? Because I'm not sure he's going to be in that position again anytime soon, especially at his age and his free agency status. And then he went on to say, Mr. Turner is publicly recognized that his conduct was wrong and he has expressed remorse for that conduct. I have spoken to him personally and I know that he is extraordinarily upset. 
by the incident. That's like in A Few Good Men. I strenuously Bob, object. I, I got to After... ask you to stop because I'm getting really mad. Okay. Please, go ahead. I See, I can't see your face, so I have no idea what your motion is. I wasn't even sure you were still awake. Please, go ahead. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, it's pointless. It really is. It's the same thing with Notre Dame, you know, after the fact, you know. You know, they, they win the celebrations, everything else. Look, I think the whole, everything's going crazy from, from, you know, celebra- celebrations in the streets after elections to, to rallies to parades, you know, to, to sports here. It's just, you know, what, what line do we as a country walk here between, you know, having normalcy in our life and taking this thing seriously? Because as we're all sitting here and, you know, you're reading off this guy apologizing and everything – and just the numbers just keep going up, you know. In New York, we just got more restrictions here. It's coming back. I mean, and everybody's just ticked off, and, and just nobody cares, you know. No. And everybody who yells and screams and says they're sorry about everything, after they say any of their, if they post a meme, if they post their hate, they post their anger, or they post their fake apology like you just read, read, nobody says, but if the cases go back up, I will be the first one. To don on some gear, some PPE, and go volunteer at my local hospital when the cases start going back up. Nobody listen, says that. Listen, brother. The problem is, if we can get serious for a moment, we all of us are looking in this pandemic for someone to blame. Why are we in this position? Why has the economy been hurt by this? Why have our lives been turned upside down? Why are we teaching from home? Why are we stuck in our houses, afraid to go outside? But not a single person wants to say, what can I do? Thank you. How have I contributed to what's happening here? Have I made the wrong choices? Perhaps it's not so important to go out to a restaurant or go out to the store or run in someplace and not wear a mask. Maybe that's not so important for the next several months and we can get through this. It's, it really is, it, you're right, it, it, it does anger up the blood because all of us bear responsibility for this. Not just one person, not just one group, not one side of a certain fence that we don't want to talk about. It's all of us. We all have to acknowledge our role in this. And that's really all there is to say about that. doesn't matter what your beliefs are. Everyone has to take some role in this. They have to take it seriously. And it's not like this just happened. We're eight months into this. And people still think, uh, oh, you know, why should I wear a mask? Why should I follow the rules? Why should I keep my I social news, distance? I got news for everybody who hasn't gotten it yet. There's yes. a good chance you're going to get it. Okay? Now, I have been on Long Island here and what is it, seven, eight months, whatever it's been. We've had the toughest restrictions here in the beginning. And then... um the government here eased the valves back. And now the valves are turning back on again. All right? And I haven't gotten sick yet. I've been lucky. I know people in a good distance away from me who have Right. But I also have friends in the healthcare system. And I also, um, they told me what it was like in the beginning when it was bad. So, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten it yet. But, man, to see the people who haven't gotten it yet, just screaming and yelling and complaining. And there's a lot of people out there who have their jobs. These are people who also still have their jobs. 
you know, yep. people or 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 are lucky enough to to make a living, you know, and still scream and yell about things. I see local people who work for you know local government here yelling and screaming, but no ideas, no suggestions. This is what I would do. This is how I would handle the liability. This is, you know, there's, it's just blame, fingers, yelling, screaming, and nobody has any answers. Nobody has any suggestions. And I swear to God how much, especially Facebook, it's a horrible place. And I've gone and um, I've unfollowed a lot of people. Uh, just because, you know, I, I have to use the platforms for social media for, you know, promoting any entertainment that I do and our sports programs and stuff and, and to keep in touch with people that, like I said, some people who have some decent heads on their shoulders that I haven't, you know, I don't get to see anymore. But I just don't understand how people can not look at the stats and the spikes. It's turning back around again. And I'm not saying that I'm this guy that, you know, is a, a you know, a, a germaphobe or anything. And, you know, I've gone out and I performed. I only perform at places that have strict social distance uh, rules in place. And I try and be responsible when I go out and I go shopping and I do my runs and everything. And, and uh, you know, I'm lucky. Financially, I'm okay. And I certainly don't bitch and complain. And believe me, uh, my music business is dead. It's done. But I certainly don't get out there and I bitch and complain because you know why, Rob? I don't have the answers. But I can watch the statistics and see them going back up. And it's not just here in the States. It's going up all over the world. And if people don't wake up, it's it's never gonna it's just gonna keep getting worse. And it's unfortunate. And um I'm just getting angry about the whole damn thing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's nobody likes wearing a mask. Nobody. It's not nobody the end puts, of the world, though. Nobody puts one on and says, you know, this, this is country, great. I love you know, it. This, this but, country, you gotta, but you got to do hold it. Hold on a second. 2.7 million Americans were drafted in the Vietnam War. People lost. We lost a generation of Americans, okay? People have. You, this is Veterans Day. Talk about that. We had tons of kids, thousands of kids after 9-11 volunteer and go get killed overseas and stuff like that. And sacrifices that people made. And you can't put on a goddamn mask or, okay, I got to go. I got to leave the bar at 10 o'clock now. I have to do that for a couple more months. Really? Shut the hell up already. And Unbelievable. All the people, and as a, a history teacher, this really galls me. But forget the mask thing for a moment, which, again, you don't like wearing it. Who cares? Put one on and zip it. How long do you have to? You're not wearing it very long. Just when you go out. Just people ask you to put it on. Put the mask on. Or don't go to the store. But – all these people that say, well, it's my constitutional right to not well, wear a mask. Then go through red lights. Or, Don't or, stop at stop signs. Right. Or it's, it's, it's against the Constitution to say that businesses have to close or to put on a curfew or to say you can only do you know, curbside pickup or delivery, but you can't have people eat inside your restaurant. The Constitution was not designed to protect one person. Okay, the Constitution was not written so that one person can feel like he or she has all the freedoms they want. It was not designed so that your rights are above – one person's rights are above an entire society's rights. It was designed to keep people safe. It was designed to keep people free and prosperous and alive. And if that means – 
that the government, local, federal, state, whatever it is, has to make some decisions that are painful, then that's what you do. If the government says we have a, a disease that's killing thousands of people, a thousand people a day, a hundred thousand new cases a day, and if that means you know you got to close your business at six instead of ten, that's what you have to do because your rights as a business person are not greater than the three hundred million people living in this country, and that's what the Constitution was designed to do. Just like. The Constitution says, I can burn my flag, but I can't burn your flag. And I can't stop you from getting angry and calling me names if I burn my flag. It wasn't designed to say, if you're pissed off about having to wear a mask, we're sorry, don't wear a mask. That's how the Constitution was written. That's how it operates. And the sooner we come to grips with that, the sooner we can catch up with some other countries that seem to have a pretty good handle on this early on. Instead yeah, those, of protesting, instead of flaunting of, rules and protesting, how about saying, hey, you know what? We talk all this talk about being one group, one team, coming together as a nation, unity, et cetera, et cetera. How about being unified in your desire to kick this pandemic right where it hurts? Don't yell at your governor. Don't don't yell at your local uh, federal people. Go go get some balls, get in your car, drive down to the hospitals. Go down there. Yell at them. Mm. All right? Tough guys, tough girls. That's who you need to, you know, just do it. And as far as the other, I mean, it's it's coming back everywhere. You know, the bottom line is it's trending back up in most of the populated uh, areas of the world right now. And the countries that you're talking about, like I said, New Zealand or Australia, whatever like that. You know, but those are countries that, you know, for whatever reason, look, international travel, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to hit. The bottom line is, is that the thing is real. And, you know. For people to get in put in the position of saying this sucks or you suck, do me a favor then. <laughs> Give us an answer. It does suck, and that's why yes, we're trying exactly. to get out of it. But instead of yelling at everybody, why don't you break it down, science, what should we do? I mean, how, how are we going to do this? All right, everybody uh, on this half of the state who wants to party and get drunk, and just take off the mask and shop or whatever. We'll split. You guys go over there, and the rest of us will, will you know, just kind of, you know, social distance safely over here. Now let's just see what happens. And they said that in the beginning. They said it was only on the coast. They said it was only the blue states, blah, blah, blah. Nope. And I'm not – I don't want to make this political anyway. But now it's the whole country. And the worst parts, the spikes here in this country, are in the Midwest. You know, it's 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 all over the place anyway. And I, and I don't want to turn our fun show – into a deep show, but unfortunately, some of the topics we're getting into here with, you know, we're going to talk about the NBA and the NHL and how they're supposed to try and come back. We're going to talk about college football and, uh, you know, all the COVID testing, games getting canceled, four games getting canceled this weekend, the crap in Notre Dame. So this is not just sports, but it's happening, you know, on the local level too. So unfortunately, COVID is a big deal because it's disrupting everything. And for everybody, we we don't want to make too light of it. I mean, we we, look, this is a fun, humorous, lighthearted show. But as you said, sports and and COVID are so intertwined. And, you know, we don't want to sit here and and make light of it and say, you know, everything is great. Everything is awesome, as the Lego movie song goes. But we got to talk about it. It's It's just it's, it's woven. It is It's woven into the fabric of sports that we're talking about. It's it's become you can't separate the two. 
So we, we don't mean to take everybody down the serious rabbit hole, but, you know. Well, if this country that's doesn't what get that's what serious about it as a nation, as a nation, if the country doesn't get serious about it, and I'm telling you, it's happening, folks. Republican governor in Utah just had a mask mandate. They're, they're all going to start to fall in line because what's going to happen is, like I said, everybody that's bitching and complaining, if you don't work in the healthcare system or if you don't have friends and family that are nurses, EMTs, Ambulance riders, uh, drivers, all that stuff. You know, I used to be a former EMT. I used to be a former volunteer uh, fireman here. Um, if that stuff t- starts turning around, and believe me, I've had the communications with my friends and my former colleagues that I used to, to you know, ride with and, and work with. And when it was bad here last March, it was bad. They had never seen anything like it. And, you know, New York and the Northeast here got it back, and now it's slowly coming because this is what happens. The valve opens up a little bit, and then people start taking advantage of it. It's obvious. You know, it's just I'll just have to talk about New York here. The, the big crowds are turning into these spreaders. I mean, it's just obvious. They have to find people. They have to stop it. It's, it's, nobody wants to do this. But that's where it's, 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 the problem is. North Dakota and South Dakota and all the surrounding states right now that are suffering right now, it goes back to the, the Sturgis rally, okay, when they had 220,000 people out there. No mass, no nothing. And there, it's been going since then. It's just, it's just becoming too obvious. And, yes, out here in Long Island and New York, and, and you know, we've been doing the right thing. So you got a lot of people on their, on their you know, on their buckets here and screaming and yelling because they haven't gotten it yet. And the reason you haven't gotten it yet is because of the social distancing uh, mandates that have been in place here. So the people that you're yelling and screaming about here in New York have actually kept you safe, gotten our schools back going. Um, We've had certain stuff, um, you know, normal life with restaurants and music and all that other stuff. But nobody gives a shit anymore. And now it's coming back and now they're bitching and complaining again. And it's like outside of New York here, just open your eyes and see what's going on. It's coming back in Asia. It's coming back in Europe. And it's worse in those places now. And, with, and we are the worst. So like I said, I don't want to keep going on with this, but I think we should, we should shift into, like I said, you know, the sports part of it now too, Rob, because um, like I said, the N- NBA and the NHL are, are, are thinking about plans. I'm going to say this, Rob, and I'll turn it back to you. Everybody better wake up, all right? There's not going to be any concerts indoors next year. It's just not happening not happening and there's not going to be any fans back inside an NBA and NHL rinks all right you can tape it record it here whatever the heck it is whatever plan the NBA and the NHL come back with and then talk about they want to have fans it's not going to happen it's not going to happen until at least the at the end of the year if we're lucky you know because this thing gets spread from when you're inside a building the reason they don't do concerts and they want to limit the bars and everything is because when everybody's talking or singing along with the musician or singing along with the juice box jukebox that's how it's spread if you're at a hockey game or an NBA game and you're yelling and screaming for the team or yelling at the ref or you're cheering you're singing along to the stuff every you you times that one two three voices into 20,000 voices that's how it's spread it's not coming back so everybody just better chill cuz i think next year it's just not coming back until we get to the summer. You'll be going, be able to go back to outdoor stuff and everything. But from what we're seeing, what we're monitoring, and there's more reports coming out now too that this isn't going to happen. And because you have irresponsible people in this country not working together as one nation, we're going to be one of those things, and that's what's happening in Europe. Just, just keep an eye on this going forward. So anyway, we'll, uh, it's, you, we'll see. We'll see how it impacts the. Uh 
the NCAA tournament next March, if they can't have fans indoors, that could They're be not a, have them. a that'll I'm be a deal right breaker. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I I don't doubt it. I'm just saying it's going to be interesting to see how the NCAA handles the tournament. They lost it once. I don't think they can lose it two years in a row. Should they we? Um, it, but they just can't have fans in it. They'll be right. able to play but, it, but there won't be any fans in the building. The no fans thing is for college basketball. It's going to be a real problem. But again, we'll, we'll deal with that next year. And we're still doing this show. Hopefully, not you know, still in bunkers mired. Underground. In bunkers underground, right, in a in a undisclosed location. Should we uh, bypass old Mr. Larusa, or do you want to talk about him for a minute? Just real quick, uh, my comments is is you know you, you just can't uh, you know um, Scotty Lachlan. I've always felt this way too. Uh, Scotty's one of the great hosts up on SiriusXM uh, NHL Network. Um, had the pleasure of uh, you know having Scotty on my shows in the past and having a relationship with him. Um, and he said it the other day, and I agree with him. How come guys with all this money? Can't Don't have a, a driver, lift, a lift, an right. Uber, uh, get a driver, a, a driver, or, you know, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I said that back when, um, oh, I can't remember the, uh, Layritz on the Yankees that, that year he got, uh, he, he, unfortunately, I believe he had, uh, he, he killed somebody, you know, and the guy just won the world series or something. I mean, you're a professional baseball player. You make lots of money. I mean, you, you can't, you can't call it number one, call a taxi. Number two, you don't have a. Private driver, number three, you can't call a limo? I mean, I just don't get it. And there's nobody around you who can say to you, why don't you let me drive? I mean, for those that aren't aware, Tony La Russa, the new manager, the crib keeper, the new manager of the Chicago White Sox, uh, was just charged with another uh, DUI. The first one being uh, in 2007, I believe, where he was found uh, asleep at a traffic light with a blood alcohol level of 093 Slightly above the point oh eight, excuse me, point oh nine, not point, not not point nine three, point nine three be dead, point oh nine three, which is slightly above the point oh eight. He's he should know better. He's a hundred and seventy six no, years what's old. What's his real? What's his real? Seventy six. You got him. He's seventy six, and so he gets busted again, and he compounds the problem, according to the arrest report, by saying, uh, after telling the officer, I had one glass of wine while I dinner with my friends. Uh, and then he said, do you see my ring? I love the I, do you know who I am routine. Do you see my ring? I asked LaRusso what he was talking about. This is the police officer. LaRusso stated, I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. While placing him in the rear of my patrol vehicle, LaRusso stated, I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. You're trying to embarrass me. I advise LaRusso that I will I will not. I'm reading the quote. I advise LaRusso that I will not embarrass him, and he would be treated with the utmost respect. So once again, he finds himself in hot water not long after the White Sox have hired him. So my question then, since we were talking about second chances, although clearly to be third chances with La Russa, going back to the Mitchell Miller conversation from last week, and we agreed, or you agreed, and I said I wasn't sure that Mitchell Miller should have another chance. By the way, he has since been, as a follow-up to that story, the University of North Dakota has also kicked him off the team. So the Arizona Coyotes have renounced his draft rights, and the University of North Dakota has said, you're not on the team either. And you championed his cause saying he deserves a second chance. I'm, I didn't argue with that. But what Ooh, about LaRusso? Miller? Miller? Yes. No, no, we... no, 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 no. I, I, what I said was, we, when we, it's on the tape. I said, we need to stop the conversation about it because we don't really know the depth of the backstory. Mm-hmm. And, we, and you talked specifically about, you know, if it was something that happened in kindergarten or, you know, his age. That was the, that was the discussion. As right. far as Mitch Miller's concerned, 
You know, I, I'm I'm not giving him a clean slate. He deserves a second chance. I I it was under the premise of what the discussion was as far as the age of the incident and whether it was appropriate or not, or or that was the discussion going back and forth. Look, if, if right. he's being let go, and and I didn't I didn't get a chance this past week to read deeper into the Mitch Miller um, story, and I firmly, me and you firmly agreed that we needed to stop talking about it because we didn't know the depth. Because we were like, well, did he only uh, did this only happen because he got caught? You know what I'm saying? Right. We were doing that kind of conversation. So this, look, I'm as far as Mitch Miller is concerned, that's. We agreed to stop talking about it because we just didn't right. we didn't know enough about it. As far as second chances for the other guys, you know, guys who you know were, were cheating on the Astros and you know Cora and all these other stuff, and you know we also talked about Craig Carton coming back. I mean, those are totally different situations. But yeah, I, Larusa put no people's lives getting, in danger. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So Mitch Mill, I don't know enough about it. So I, you know, right. Well, but but forget Mitch Miller for a moment. I'm just saying. This is another Mitch Miller situation, sort of, except this time instead of bullying, which is terrible and don't get me wrong, and bullying from someone who is in eighth grade, this is a 76-year-old man, an adult, already pled guilty to a DUI, who has now twice, very publicly, potentially put people's lives in danger. Now, neither time, in neither instance, was anybody hurt, thank God. But he should know better, and Look. he's done this before. And and my question is, do the White Sox now have a responsibility to the people of Chicago and to Major League Baseball and to society in general to say, you know what, we, we're walking away from this one? What do we do here? Look, I mean, you, we all have family members that are the, in that age group that, you know, they shouldn't be drinking, number one, if they're getting mm-hmm. intoxicated, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, if you're at a family party or whatever. I mean, God rest the souls of some of my uncles that have recently passed away, and some of them drank, and some of them didn't. But, man, you know, there was no way we were going to let them drive. Some of them could barely walk. I mean, this, this you get into the 75, 70, you know, even young people shouldn't be drinking at a certain to a certain extent or whatever. But even, even people who are, and this is not a knock, I don't want to get the ageism or anything like that, but once you get over 70 years old, just driving sober kind of, you know, unless you got your, you know, everything together or whatever, you know, you still might want to look out for grandpa driving around or whatever, especially on a snowy, wintry night or a rainy night or something like that. But grandpa goes to the bar, and let's put it this way, Lewis is grandpa age. He goes to the bar, throws a few back, gets into his car. Look, if the White Sox keep him on... Look, they own it, man. So it's, it's terrible it. judgment, but yep, that's it. I, their, I just that's their gig, man. I have a feeling uh, he's not going to survive this. I just, even they though the White all, Sox have they they backed him publicly, drunk. they probably all get drunk. They probably all got drunk, right, and partied up in the corporate offices on the day of his press conference. I bet you that. So, no, if he has a problem. If he has an alcoholism problem, maybe the best thing for him is to get help as opposed to managing the White Sox. But again, this is a crime or a crime. This is something he's done that's potentially put people's lives at risk. And by the way, it's the second time he's been caught. Yes. Not the second time that he's driving drunk. So, Well, ladies and gentlemen, we I really apologize for this absolutely terrible downer of a sports hot show. <laughs> yeah, sorry, everybody. Wait, hold on a second. 
Um, let me just remind everybody. Well, I gotta on. play some music here, so we gotta pick this Hold up, on. man. Wait, wait, don't go away. Let me just remind everybody Woo! how we started the show. Mike Tyson, I yeah, put no, baby urine no, please. in a fake penis to pass oh. drug tests. So you see, it's not all heavy-handed seriousness on all the right. Sports Honchos showgram. Well, good luck, White Sox fans. That's all we yeah. can say. All right, good luck, good luck to, to my Southsiders. Good luck, Dodgers fans. Um, I, Red Sox fans, good luck. You mentioned the um, the NBA and the NHL and their restart plans. And once again, the NHL seems to be very good at planning, at, at seeing the big picture. I wish the people that I worked for were as good at seeing the big picture and long-term planning as the NHL. They've already, they're talking about coming back on January 1st and they're not doing the bubble thing because they agree that another bubble type situation over a full season would be disastrous. But according to whatever it is I'm looking at, Oh, NHL.com. There we go. Um, the league is planning on having a hub system in which you play 10 or 12 days, according to Gary Bettman in this hub You know, all the teams play in the same arena and they keep like a mini bubble sort of thing. And then you go home for a week. So you, you have the hub system, you go home, you travel back home, you be with your family, take care of the testing, the protocols, and then you come back and do it again. And obviously they have some issues with Canadian teams coming across the border and American teams going across the border. Um, something the NBA really doesn't have to deal with except for the Toronto Raptors. Um, so they're, they got their act together. Right, this whole Look, Canada's got its own uh, issue. I mean- system and – they just locked acknowledging, down Manitoba. Acknowledging that no fans is going to be a problem. Right. It's going to be a problem, but at least they're thinking about it. At least they're figuring out we can't do the bubble. Nobody wants a bubble again, not for a full season. But we can't just open up the arenas to no fans. So what can we do? Or is the NBA, as I talked about last week, once they've approved this December 22nd start date, 72-game regular season, more games in less time, you're going to get – the teams that you want to see the most, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Heat, the Bucks, all the playoff teams have played late into the season. Next week is the NBA draft. Free agency will follow, and these camps are going to open December 1st for a December 22nd start. So the players you really want to see are the least likely to start playing, and you're going to have this, not only the same load management problems, but even worse load management problems. And I understand the Olympics is important. If they don't play on Christmas, the league is losing a boatload of money. Wait a second. Did you just say the Olympics? Yeah. Uh, if we have an Olympics. It's not happening. Another another ghost they're chasing. Right. They're going to they're gonna build their season around being done in time for their Olympics. That may or may not occur next July. Are they, do you think by July we're going to have hundreds of thousands of people filling arenas to see the Olympics? Where is it this year? And traveling. Where's the, where's the Olympics this year? Hoboken? It might as well be. No, it's supposed to be in Japan. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. All right. So it's a tale of two, of two leagues. One that, that seems to have their act together, and the other, I hope they know what they're doing. But well, they're just look. asking They're asking for trouble with this, this cockamamie system. Well, look. The NBA, Let- I mean. Look, they, they, the players and the owners have agreed to do this, and I guess everybody who works for the NBA, from the uh, 
TV networks and everybody else involved with turning the arenas on. Um, they've all agreed to this, so they're going to do it. Look, you can, you can do it. They, they showed that they can do this, and the NHL will do the same thing. There will be no fans at the games. But they'll no. be able to do all this other stuff. I firmly believe they'll be able to do it. And they'll real, you know, I know the M- I don't know what the NBA is doing, but as far as the NHL is concerned, you know, they have the flexibility. They can realign the divisions. They can, you know, I like what they're talking about, and I believe uh, there's a call tomorrow with the GMs and Gary Bettman, and then you know whether we'll get an answer this week. But um, they've been working on this. I'm sure they were working on this while the tournament was going on in the summer. I I firmly I'm okay. Look, if the players if the players agree to this then all of us as fans should just be grateful and thankful, okay? We're going to get basketball, and it looks like we're going to get hockey, and that's just fantastic. As far as fans getting into the building and stuff like that, again, as far as fans are concerned, not really a big issue for most of us since we can be able to watch the games. How these leagues are going to survive another season, at least like last season was different. They got either half a season or most of the season in, so they got some of the gates and they got some money. They're not going to have that. And right. I know they can't be on this. They're not going to be able to continue to survive if, if Ho- this thing hockey uh, Hockey can't survive without the – they don't have the TV revenue to, to make up for a no, lack they, of and fans. They never, they never really That's going to be problematic. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, you know, but like I said, you have to read some of the stuff. Like as far as, you know, the players weren't getting paid. Uh, there's 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 dates as far as their paychecks and everything else, so it's it's not easy peasy and clean as everybody thinks it is. It's it's very tough, and if you break this down as far as everybody that's involved with both leagues, all the people have to work to make these things happen as far as uh, the finances and everything else. Um, we'll see what happens. Like I said, as far as these, you know, these leagues are, you know, they've got corporations, their owners are rich. Um, you know, there's certain things that they can probably you know get through I mean, as compared to like. You know, um, independent music venues or uh, concert arenas and stuff like that. That you know, um, they they don't have corporate backers, or if they don't, so they can't survive. These two leagues, at least, it looks like they're going to be able to survive for another season. Um, but beyond that, we don't know. And I think Rob, maybe that's what these guys are both doing right now, and that's probably been in the discussions with the players. Hey, look, let's do this because we don't know. We don't know what the future is going to bring. We don't know. How much longer we can do this, or we might have to shut everything down again. So we we don't know. And this is what, this is sports life and normal life, because the virus doesn't give a shit who you are, what you do, what you look like, how you smell, you know? So everybody else, we just got to try and work around it. And that's the main thing. And I commend the NBA and the NHL for trying to work around it. We're going to get into college football here and the National Football League. It's a little different. Right, you know, it's a different, it's a different beast, it's a different monster, and it's being handled a different way. So, I just say, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I just, I just, I'm glad that they're both, they both have a plan, quote unquote. I just think that it, it seems like the more level-headed and sensible approach is the NHL. But then again, the NHL doesn't have to worry about lost TV revenue because they don't have that much TV revenue. So I understand. There's, there's different different masters that they both have to appeal to but you're right it's just the fact they're talking about a plan is good i just hey, you can you know, see there's a stark difference in the way that they're planning I, I, for next year you know what i'm really surprised about i'm really surprised and maybe there's still you know we've always had this thing you know we talk about sweaters jerseys logos and all that other stuff and mm-hmm. 
you know, the NHL is uh, releasing these retro reverse jerseys. I had a buddy of mine who does another podcast. And he's like, oh, what's with these jerseys? They're so ugly and disgusting. And I said, look, they have to try and generate revenue. Yeah. And I, the one thing I was just going to say here, you know, the NHL and the NBA, if there's any time of season where they should put logos on the jerseys, it's now. Because right. they should probably try and bring in that extra advertising dollar because if it's strictly going to be a TV game, okay, they're going to have to find ways to generate more money. Maybe okay. just for this season. Yes, exactly. Like, exactly. I'd I mean, be okay. I, listen, I would, as, as a lover of hockey, I would be okay, not obviously to replace the, the, the center good. logo, but if it, was, if it was tastefully done, the dreaded yeah. words tastefully done, fine. What do I care? First or, of all, when I'm watching on TV, I can't really see it anyway. But, Rob, it doesn't have to be tasteful if it's for the greater good yeah. so everybody can get paid and make some money, then do it. Yeah. And if it's just for this season, then just do it. And then maybe they have, like, a review afterwards and say, hey, maybe it wasn't so bad, so you keep a McDonald's patch on one side right. or whatever the heck it is. Uh, but if it's for the greater good, like I said, if you can't, if, if the bars close down at 10 o'clock now for maybe the next couple of months, not the rest of our lives – it's for the greater yeah. good. Why don't you just do it? I feel like with hockey players, they'd be like, whatever, as long as we can play. Sure, put a well, patch on my forehead. Put a patch on my forehead. What do I care? Hey, goalies, instead we'll of you know it, painting yes. painting things on your helmets, like yes. your own logos and, and characters X, and X animation. Gas masks. I mean, X, sure, yeah, X put on, the arches. Slap the golden arches on your helmet. Whatever. And if, fact, yeah, because if it secures these guys getting paychecks yeah. so they can feed their families... Hell yeah. God, wouldn't you love to see just uh, if there was open season on anybody who could who wanted to advertise on a goalie's helmet, just some of the, and I can't think of it on the top of my head, but it just, I'm trying to imagine think some of, of the Target. wackiest sponsors, like the, yeah, like the Target, but in fact, here, the Target wouldn't, this logo. Be, wouldn't this be, be great? Think about this. You and I should go into marketing. One goalie <laughs> has the Target logo on his helmet. The other one has the Walmart logo. And let's see which is really the better superstore. Phenomenal. Nah, nah, nah. Phenomenal. Pitch it, See, buddy. if let's the go. NHL is listening, if Target and Walmart are listening, it's our idea. You can like have it. it, but it's our idea. I do <laughs> like it. <laughs> but, hey, man, like I said, you got to adapt. You got to move forward. And yeah. uh, it's look, And, again, it's and, and tough, they'll do man. it. They're hockey players. They just want to play. I mean, there's something that we're taking for granted here, too. I mean, there's there's a ton of people in this country that are out of work. And mm-hmm. every month it seems to kind of go that way. And, the, and, and wherever the jobs go up, it's, it's, it's not across the, the country as far as, you know, you break it down. And, you know, cable bills are expensive, you know. Our phones are expensive. Our data plans are expensive. And, you know, if the money runs out at home, you know, this TV thing, too, it could be very tough because you, you've seen, too, as far as TV and everything, everything is streaming now, and whether it's the HBO Max app or the Peacock app or anything else, and everybody's doing this. A lot of people have cut the cords as far as, you know, that's the term for not having either a cable box or a Verizon box or something like that. So right. things are changing, but, you know, there's a, there's a part of the country right now that is still stable as far as making money and everything, but there's a hell of a lot of people that are out of work. And this gets back to COVID and lockdowns and everything else because of people who have gone back to work can't go back to work again. I mean, sports is going to be a non-issue next year. Folks, we are trying. Doom and gloom, baby. 
we are trying to get away from so much serious talk. We can't help it. It's it's again woven into the fabric of sports. So you know what? Sometimes you get the steak, and sometimes you get you know the green beans that are on All the right, side. So All let's, delicious. Let's keep the turn going here. Okay. So and move into uh, the wild world right. of the gridiron. I, I know. On the I know everybody consoles. listens so they can get the Mike Leach CUNY curse update sports. over there in Mississippi State. Uh, before we get to the more ser- what are you doing back there? <laughs> Football talk with Mr. Robert CUNY. Go. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry that I talked over that incredibly wonderful. You always do, you buddy. Doing. I'm used to it already. Okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's all, right. it's all right. Well, you said I was the other guy. You have the floor. So- it's your fault. Anyway, here's your CUNY curse, Mike Leach, Mississippi State head coach update. Uh, after four losses in a row in which they scored a total of 30 points, being outscored 114 to 30, uh, the, mighty, the mighty Mississippi State Bulldogs finally won and scored more than 10 points. They beat Vanderbilt 24-17. So if you're scoring at home... Since beating LSU 44 to 34, they have scored precisely 54 points and are one and four since then. And what is his reward for getting off the schneid, as it were? Their next opponent, their next game, canceled. Because it's all about the cancellations. The SEC, I think, has nobody playing this weekend because... LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, all postponed um, because of COVID-19. And and the problem now is becoming you've got this very – you've got a hard stop in terms of makeup dates before you get into the uh, SEC championship and then the college football playoffs. So – they're up against it, and the the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, is banging his head against the wall trying to figure out how are we going to do this? How are we going to fit this in? And, of course, the issue comes up, well, what if you had started the season earlier? You wouldn't be in this pickle. That's a conversation for another day. But now we're seeing it, and not just in the SEC, um, but Ohio State-Maryland, which is going to be a big game for us Marylanders with – the Maryland football program on the rise with Tua's younger brother, Leah, Leah Tungavailoa, uh, who look, looks fantastic. And now we have to wait because their game against Ohio State, which they would have lost most likely to the number three team in the country. That's been postponed. So how Actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It hasn't games? been postponed. I thought it's there was been... four this week, four cancellations. No, it was four in the SEC, but one in the Big oh. Ten. Maryland, the Maryland game this weekend is off, and that's not going to be rescheduled. That one's just canceled, which begs the following question. Uh, Ohio State is 3-0, and and they're the number three team in the country. They're going to play four more games if those games can be played. The Big Ten games, the Wisconsin games, for instance, the other games of the Big Ten that are canceled, they're not coming back. They're not postponed. There is no time in the schedule. They're kind of locked in. So if this keeps happening, can you really put a team – with three wins into the playoffs. Now, I know this year college football has relaxed their rules on terms of how many wins you have to have to get into the to get into a bowl game. 
Although I'm sure for Ohio State, if they have three wins now and that's all the games they'll play, the NCAA will say, we've considered it, and it's unfair to put a number on it. So we'll just say if as long as you have more wins than losses, you can continue to be eligible for the playoffs. So I don't know. Stay tuned. I mean, now we're really going to see how much uh, college football is going to be impacted by COVID because there are no more makeup dates. There are no free weeks, or at least we're coming to the very end of that well. Um, the big game, the big Clemson-Notre Dame game, where Notre Dame prevailed in uh, double overtime, great game. But nobody's talking about the game, are they, Paul? No. Nobody's talking about what's happening on the field. Please, would you like to tell America what happened after uh, the epidemiologist conference that occurred after the Clemson-Notre Dame game? Well, it was kind of surreal. I'm watching it, and then, boom, number one, you got a major security issue over there. No, y'all say. Let's just start with that. And it looked like a lot more than 11,000 people, BT dubs, but please continue. Well, I mean, look, we're going to, we're going to, you just have to pay attention to Notre Dame now as far as the next two weeks go. Now, the, the school has made a, uh, handed down a uh, testing mandate. So anybody on the campus, all students, faculty, staff, janitorial, custodial arts, uh, and everything else in between, has to be tested now before they leave the university. That's everybody. Because not only did they run onto the field, but there were parties all weekend. Yeah. So, And and, and here's another thing, folks, on this, especially us older folks out there. Hi there. Who are bitching and complaining about COVID and, like, why they're making it 10 o'clock to close the bars. It's because of the younger generation. They are not buying into this, okay? They're the ones who are going out and hanging out and partying. And look, it's it sucks. We didn't have to go through this as kids. But unfortunately, that's where the issue is. The younger the college is here. This is where all the big cancellations are. This is where all the big spreaders are. It's right there. It's so obvious. It's in front of us. And I know it's I mean, tough on the younger generation, but this is what's happened. So, anyway, that's what's going on in Notre Dame, and we'll see what happens here over the next two weeks. Is anytime is an event, a super spreader event, you got to let it ride out for two weeks and then see how everybody gets infected. That's what I mean. All those, all those students, they said, I'll take Notre Dame at its word. They said it was only 11,000 people in the stadium. I don't buy it. But if they say so, but is they, a lot of people, bro. They all, but it looked like so many more than that. A lot of those people, all those people, it seemed like, flooded onto the field. Some wearing a lot wearing masks, some not. But that I will to give see you that this. on TV was kind when of you, chilling. When you looked into the stands during the game, mm-hmm. every section that I saw when the camera went to the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. All the kids were. They were wearing masks. I yeah. have to give them that. But after but when the you're, game, when, I mean, when you're huddled on. up, though, yeah. After the game, when 11,000 people are smashed up against each other, like some sort of collegiate mosh pit. It, the mask is useless at that point with the screaming and the yelling and, and the everything and, and, else. And please, the, everybody understand me and Robbie. I, Rob, I'm, I'm pretty sure you agree with this. It's the same thing with celebrations in the streets after the election. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with all this stuff, marches, parades, any of this stuff. It's just wrong. I don't care if you're wearing masks or not. I'm, I'm not being a freaking jerk here about it but it's just when these things happen so you're gonna have to watch now what happens in the next couple of weeks since the election 
okay? There's a big march planned on D.C. on Saturday. So it's just never going to stop here. So, you know, Great. we have to wait and watch, see what happens. Yeah, Maybe buddy, you, I'm better, a, I'm you, a, might, I'm, you might want to go somewhere on vacation. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm always invited to your house. So you I'll are, be up there. I'll be up there Saturday. after the show, You're right? I'll be up there after the show. Um, one thing I do want to say about this Notre Dame thing is, it, yes, we can blame the students all we want, and they are responsible because it was them that were on the field. But uh, Reverend John Jenkins, who's the university president, you had to know this was going to happen. In fact, the coach of Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, said something like this would happen if uh, Notre Dame defeated Clemson. So you as the president, who's ultimately responsible for what happens on your university, should have put some sort of protocols in place, as you said, extra security, something to say, look, if the outcome is favorable to Notre Dame, the whole running onto the field thing negates all of the efforts we've taken just to get you in to the stadium in the first place. Look, since the, since the fall semester began, Notre Dame is 1,355 positive cases of uh, coronavirus. And in fact, Jenkins himself was at a Rose Garden ceremony uh, when uh, Amy Coney Barrett was introduced as Trump's Supreme Court nominee. He was at that ceremony not wearing a mask and shockingly tested positive. So he should know better. And that Rose Garden ceremony is not 11,000 sweaty college students smashing into each other. So he should know better. He should have seen this was happening and done something. Even if it was ineffective, at least say, hey, we tried. Nobody but cares. It was nothing. Until it was nothing. Get, it was just kids running yourself. on the field. Till you get it, till you lose somebody to it, nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So good luck. Good luck, Notre Dame staff. Everything and all the families that they're returning home to. Look, all we can say is good luck. That's it. Yeah. Hope you I get mean, through it. That's it. Look, it's it's people not at the airports, all that stuff. Uh, good luck. Again, the college kids, people say well, they're college kids, they're not gonna get it. They're the least likely to get fine. That may be true, but they're gonna go out into the world, as it were, and as you said, into airports, into their homes, into their communities, and who knows? You know, it's just, again, I know we're dwelling on this, but still, it's just that scene on TV, if that didn't anger people, if that didn't wake people up to what's happening out there and why we, why the, we have to be more vigilant about this, I don't know what will. I don't know. So it, it, it's almost like, you know, you get to the point now, so should we talk about Harbaugh in, in, in Michigan as far as just a sporting issue? Or is this everything just tainted? I think everything's tainted. My, my I'll give you my quick position. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Franklin, all the all the Jims in the Big Ten should be fired. And we can talk more about it at another time. And not because of COVID, but because it's really God, they're especially as a Penn State alum, every time Franklin takes the field, I just I cringe. Okay. And Jim Harbaugh, what are you doing? This guy, he looks like Bo Schembechler, and that's his whole act. He's a rah-rah guy. That is channeling the spirit of the late Bo Schembechler. I think he's dead. Bo Schembechler, but he can't beat Michigan State. He can't beat Ohio State. His record against the top 25 is abysmal. And same thing with James Franklin. Both these guys, when the spotlight is the brightest and the expectations are the highest, uh, they come up short, especially Franklin. I mean, Harbaugh's bad, but Franklin's even worse. And both these guys are taking proud programs and running them into the ground. And although I'm not a Michigan fan, 
I still don't want to see a proud program run ashore. I'm with you on that. Yeah. By the captain, by Captain Harbaugh. And I am as a Penn State alumni this, to see what Franklin has done. And he's done some good things. But again, when the spotlight is the brightest, the moment is the biggest, expectations are the highest. I mean, he's 0-3 this year. You know, his team was expected to compete for a spot in the college football playoffs, and he's come out flat again. And it's not just losing to teams like Ohio State and teams that are as good or better. Okay, uh, we can go through the litany of teams where they'll get to number one and then they'll lose to a team that's unranked and that's the end of their season. It's just, it's a joke. It's a joke. It is. Well, what do you say we talk about some of the good things that are going on in the NFL? Guys like Are there some Cook, good things? Guys no. like uh, Kyler and Tua, great game there between uh, yep. the cards and, and the fish and... Um, you know, I mean, we are, we are Brady getting his ass whooped. I mean, you know? midway here, here's what this, at this point in the NFL season, you're midway through. Now you can start to sort of see how things are going to line up. Even in this strange COVID colored season, you can start to see how things are shaping up the AFC. It's pretty clear. You got your chiefs, you got your Steelers, um, the bills, I'm becoming a Bills believer. So, Andrew Roach, I hope you heard that. I'm becoming a Bills believer. Not that I was a disbeliever, but I'm really starting the whole Josh Allen experience. I would believe my um, local high school football team in the AFC as far as I'm concerned. Okay, and and the Ravens, listen, uh, until uh, Lamar Jackson learns how to relax and be a pass-first quarterback in the biggest moments, in the biggest games, I, I'm hedging my bets on the Ravens. But in the NFC, I mean... I, I thought, okay, the, the game where Tampa Bay played New York last week and struggled to beat them, I thought, okay, Tom Brady always struggles against the Giants. The Giants have his number, clearly, Same way two Washington Super Bowl Football victories. Club did. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, l- listen, pal, easy, yes. easy. Pump New York breaks Football a bit. Giants, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But they just got boat raced by the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> I mean, it was 38-3, to but really it was 38 nothing until with a few minutes left, Bruce Arians said, I don't want to go home with a zero, so we'll kick a field goal. I mean, Brady looked old. The team looked disjointed. He had and, a bad day. And not just a bad day, but an historically bad day. I yes, mean, exactly. we can say all we want about how bad Tom Brady looked. And I don't want to put this all on his shoulders. He is the quarterback, though. But – you got to put some of the blame on Bruce Arians. I mean, the team ran the ball five times, which is an NFL record for the fewest number of rushing attempts. And I know they got down pretty quickly, but you can't. Well, Bruce Arians has been around too long to hit the panic button and say, all right, let's just throw, throw, throw. You don't have a quarterback who's just going to be able to throw, throw, throw. I mean, yeah, Brady can still throw, but if you're just going to rely on him, and take out a running game that up till Sunday was an effective run game, what are you doing? And now we're starting to see a little bit. It took eight games. What we're finally starting to see is, and we've seen this already with Belichick. Belichick, great coach. He'll take a a pile of junk and still win five or six games. He has a hard time when the quarterback isn't really running his game plan. Now we're starting to see that Brady, as great as he is, he still is a puppet. And if the puppet master is a guy like Bruce Arians, whose his coaching runs hot and cold, you know, and he makes some questionable decisions. He's certainly no Bill Belichick. 
now we're starting to see these guys kind of need each other. So when you say, well, who's going to have the better year? Can Belichick do without Brady? Can Brady do without Belichick? The real question is, can they have any success without each other? And now we're starting to see that, you know, maybe Brady isn't, it's not, maybe there is something to the coaching. He's still the greatest of all time in some people's opinions, but maybe it's the coaching a little bit. You just can't, you can't overcome defenses and his own coach. So I don't know who's rising above in the NFC. I mean, you got the Green Bay Packers, certainly. You never bet against Aaron Rodgers, but can you really trust Seattle in that defense? New Orleans, uh, there's just something about New Orleans this year. I can't, I really can't embrace the New Orleans experience. Arizona, Kyler Murray is phenomenal. Great. He's coming into his own now in his second season under Cliff Kingsbury's direction. But again, they haven't, uh, I can't, there's just something about that team that I just don't trust. I mean, we've seen that movie before in Arizona. So who do you got in the NFC? Certainly nobody in our division with the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, and the Wolf. So I don't know. I don't know. The, the NFC is wide open, and that's not necessarily a good thing. There are some people saying out there to watch out for the the three and five Minnesota Vikings. Uh, come on. I mean, the Bears are a fraud. So, I mean, who's going to come out of the NFC? Who can you really trust to put up any kind of a fight against the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Ravens, potentially? I don't know. But I do know this. Uh, it looks like the game that Tampa Bay played against the Giants, that wasn't really a fluke. And say it's the Antonio Brown factor, I don't know. Bruce Arians is calling out Tom Brady again after this loss. So I don't know. That 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 marriage may be in trouble, um, you know, before it really even gets off the ground. I don't know. I don't know. It is a mystery. The National Mediocrity League. But you know what was... Befuddled. It does. You know what was great, though? The Arizona game and Miami game, where you saw Tua versus Kyler in uh, second-year quarterback versus rookie quarterback. Now, in Tua's first start, the Dolphins won in spite of Tua. They won because their defense and their special teams. In this game... You see why Coach Flores decided to bench Fitzmagic in favor of Tua. And and the game itself was entertaining. You know, Miami actually, maybe they're a dark horse outside contender in the AFC. But what you really saw is you saw the NFL's future. Just like when we saw earlier in the year uh, Mahomes and Jackson when the Ravens played the Chiefs. And obviously Arizona and Miami not in the same conference, but we saw a glimpse of the future of quarterback in the NFL. As we talk about all the altar cockers that are getting ready to say bye-bye to the NFL, your Roethlisberger's Rogers, breeze, Brady rivers. We're seeing the new guard and it was exciting. I'm not a fan of either team, but it was an exciting football game to watch and they're young and they're fun to watch. And, you know, those that the caretakers of the game that are concerned about what happens when, you know, these the older set of quarterbacks finally go off into the sunset. What are we left with? Hey, I think we're left in pretty good shape. Yeah. And at the quarterback throw Mahomes position. in there as well, too. So, of course, I mean, obviously, Mahomes and Jackson and guys that we've already seen that we've seen a lot MVPs, Super Bowl MVPs. But 
you know, we got some other guys that are, I think people are overlooking Kyler Murray a bit. Maybe they wrote off his rookie year, but he's, he's the real deal. And God, is he fast. And I mean, we saw he ran all over the Redskins, which I know is not that great an accomplishment to beat our team, but he was just, he's something else to watch. So yes, it is exciting. And then I guess I would like to make one. I'd like to make a case for an MVP that nobody is really talking about. Oh, come on now. Everybody's talking about it. As MVP? Yeah. What do you think? You're so special about this announcement. No, no. Go ahead. I, I'm not. Go ahead. I'm not Tell everybody. I'm not, I'm not breaking any new ground here. I just want to put my two cents in <laughs> for Minnesota running back Dalvin Cook as MVP. He's because, phenomenal. again, again, the MVP is not, doesn't always have to be the guy with the best stats. Although, Dalvin Cook certainly has those. It's who is the one that is lifting his team. The only reason that anyone is talking about the Vikings as legitimate NFC contenders is because of Dalvin Cook. Now, look, there is no bigger Kirk Cousins fan. I have defended him forever, and I certainly can't go back on that. But he's not the reason why the Vikings are going to be a threat to do anything in the NFC. It's Dalvin Cook. And I'll make this short and sweet. If you look up the statistics on You Cook, don't know how to make anything short and sweet, Cuny. Sure I do. Sure I do. <laughs> like our you know what? This radio partnership will be short and sweet to keep this up, Pally. So zip it. Yeah, here you go. I'll give you one of those for just for you. Anyway. When he's playing and playing well in the last two games, especially, where he's run for almost four hundred yards. It allows Cousins, when Cousins has to play and take all the responsibility on his own shoulders, he flames out. He just, he, the pressure, he's, he and pressure are not friends. But when Cook is playing and the running game is, is just, he's just, he's going to get 2,000 yards this year running and receiving. And when you take the pressure off Cousins, okay, the last couple of games where they've won, and one of those was against the Packers, so not an easy opponent. Uh, when Cooks run for 300, 206 yards in one game and 163 in another, okay, that, that game he runs for 163, Kirk Cousins, 11-14, 160 yards, one touchdown. The last game, 13 of 20, 220 yards, three touchdowns. He's calm. He's comfortable. He knows that the pressure's not on him, and he's going to guide you to a victory or at least not lose a game for you. When Cook's not playing or he gets injured like in the Seattle game, they should have won that Seattle game, but he got injured. And then it was all on Cousins' shoulders and some bad decision-making by Mike Zimmer. So I don't think he's going to win the MVP. But if you're looking at a guy who's making his team better with his play, not just getting this, not just piling up the stats, but making his quarterback a better quarterback simply by taking the pressure off him, you know, look no further than our pal Dalvin Cook. Okay? It's, it's, was, not, it's not a bad play for you, pal. All right. Hopefully See, it was not healthy. was not so short, but it was mildly sweet. It was semi sweet chocolate. It was nice. It was nice. Thank you. Dalvin, I appreciate uh, it. Dalvin will appreciate those words from a man like well, you. And I did it for free. No extra charge. I did it for love. I did. It for love. I did. What I did for love. Do we have? All right. Well, this is what we're gonna do. Okay. This is what we're All gonna right. do. I'm, All right. I'm ready. Because we have to acknowledge um, the passing of the late great uh, Sean Connery and also Alex Trebek. So. 
Rob, why don't we cue this up and then we're gonna we're gonna do this little tribute and then we're gonna close out the show with the the dope of the week, okay? As we're running up here up on the clock here, close right. to uh, nine twenty five. So, um, set this clip up and uh, or say a few a couple of words. Obviously, I'll say real quick. Sean Connery, just uh, an absolute legend. Love them. Me and you are both Bond guys. Uh, hopefully, down the road we'll get to talk a little more about. It, obviously, with Daniel Craig's new one coming up down the road, which has been delayed. Hopefully, next year. Um, but uh, we love him and we miss him. And obviously, Alex Trebek. Hey, look, we grew up with the guy Jeopardy, the whole nine yards. But here you go, pal. Take it. Right. We we lost Sean Connery. He is Bond. End of story. And we lost America's favorite game show host, Alex Trebek, uh, just a couple of days ago. And we didn't get a chance to do a tribute to Sean Connery last week. So I thought with Trebek passing and Sean Connery passing, sure, we could play clips of them in interviews and Jeopardy's greatest hits and Sean Connery's best moments as Bond. But I think the ultimate tribute, and to kind of end things on a much lighter note, the immortal Saturday Night Live celebrity Jeopardy sketch (laughs) with Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek and Daryl Hammond, who not many people know, but he does a great, he does a great impersonator, did Bill Clinton for Saturday Night Live, and he was doing Sean Connery. So if you can imagine, if Sean Connery was on Celebrity Jeopardy, hosted by Alex Trebek, this clip is kind of what it sounds like. Oh, and there's also the real-life Tom Hanks in a very un-Tom Hanks-like role. So the clip that we have is Saturday Night Live, just about a minute and a half of a 10-minute sketch. Uh, again, Will Ferrell is Alex Trebek. Daryl Hammond is Sean Connery. Enjoy. You know, let's just do states that end in Hampshire for 200. This is the only state ending in Hampshire. South Hampshire. No. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What is South Hampshire? No, no. Kathy Lee. Hampshire, England. No, no, that's that's not in the United States. I'm oh, sorry, Governor. Please, sir, can I have some more? Kristen Wiig is definitely different. No, Sean Connery, would you pick a category? I'll take Catch the Seaman for 800. <laughs> it says Catch These Men. Yeah. the semen. Is that what the moustache is for, Trebek? (laughs) Tom Hanks, would you just pick a category? And he has his hand caught in a pickle jar. Uh, It's on my hand. Where did you get that pickle jar? Uh, I I wanted a pickle. Tom, Tom, let go of it. Let... No, not the jar. Let let go... Let go of the pickle. But I, but I want a pickle. We, we can't keep playing if you don't let go of the pickle. That's what your mother said last <laughs> night. <laughs> Take that, you poltroon. Uh, Moving on. Kathy Lee, you have... <laughs> all right, buddy. We got to leave so, it there. You got to check that out, you, ladies and gentlemen. It's yeah. a great. They were all great skits whenever he was. And, uh, and there was there. there was a later sketch, um, another Celebrity Jeopardy, where actually Alex Trebek himself uh, came out, and it was just it was he had a very good, he was a very good sport about it, good sense of humor, and uh, both men will be missed. So, absolutely, there you have it. No doubt about it. Good stuff there, Rob. And now, yep, it's. 
That's right. It's time for your favorite feature, the Dope of the Week. And as always, the Gags Gang and I spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each, each week's winner. You can, for absolutely no reward, save for my undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating a Dope of the Week yourself using the hashtag DOTW on Twitter. Send those ideas to the usual place at Cuthbert Live, at Bitterness and Rage, at Sports Honchos. And Comes with a free COVID test, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Uh, administered by your favorite sports honcho. And who this week will be carrying the mythical sports honchos dope of the week cup around the ice rink of shame? That's right. None other than Pete Carroll, head coach of your Seattle Seahawks. Way to go, Pete! Woo-hoo! On the day, on the day that he signs a contract extension, keeping him with the Seahawks until 2025, when he'll be very, very old. Uh, his team went out and lost to the Buffalo Bills 44-34, to the most points a Carroll-coached Seahawks team has ever given up. His explanation, he was not expecting the Bills to pass so much, and he game-planned for the run. And I will read to you what his quote was. Uh, Carroll blamed himself, this is from AP News, blamed himself saying he wasn't anticipating the Bills to come out throwing. Those guys... They didn't even try to run the football today. We didn't expect that to happen, Carroll acknowledged. We had a real nice plan for how they were going to run it. We have to be able to adapt better. To which I say, wah, wah, wah. Bro, do you even know how to coach? How can you say that? Let me lay down some football outsider statistics for you, Coach Carroll. Your defense is ranked 30th against the pass and 6th against the run. The Buffalo offense is ranked fifth in passing and 23rd in rushing. Plus quarterback Josh Allen, who lit you up for 415 yards, three touchdowns with no interceptions, and one rushing TD, is ranked in the top five out of all NFL quarterbacks in the following categories. Pass attempts, passing yards, passing TDs, and total quarterback rating. So why on earth you would think the Bills would be a run-dominant team? Forget the fact that you didn't scout your opponent, Coach Pete. He was busy. But you clearly do not even know your own team. So, Pete Carroll, for being way too laid back for your own good, counting your money as you waste an MVP caliber season by your quarterback, Russell Wilson, and for being outsmarted by yourself, you, Coach Carroll, are the sports honchos dope of the week. Congratulations, Pete. The certificate is in the mail, my friend. Good stuff. I tell you, that Coach Carroll always comes in when we need him there, Rob. Yep. You need a dope of the week? Coach Carroll, just break glass. What was that first line you said? He wasn't aware that the Bills were going to throw on them? He said, yeah, he said, we weren't expecting them to throw. We thought they'd be running more. I'm sorry. Do you, again, bro, do you even coach the team? You know, I didn't think the guys with the skis and the ski poles were going to go skiing today. No. No. It's one thing to be outsmarted by the opposing coach. It's another thing to outsmart He's a professional. yourself. He is. He's a and Seattle has him for five more years. All right, All right. Seattle. That's some fun stuff good coming job. up for you guys. That's some good stuff. Oh, boy. Ooh, what a show. I'm winded. I tell you. 
Well, good stuff there, pal. And with that, we're going to put another wrap on episode six here of the Sports Hot Shows. Look, everybody, thank you so much for thank listening you. and downloading. Keep on sharing and subscribing. Uh, we know we got a bunch of new followers uh, last couple of days on Twitter. We really appreciate it. And all a lot of those guys yes. who did follow us. I uh, hope you guys will keep tuning in and uh, keep sharing as we and Rob keep growing here. And uh, next week on the COVID honchos, uh, we will uh, discuss more of, of <laughs> the sports world and how it is being affected. So uh, we, we, we promise to be more serious next week, folks. And remember, rate us, review us, leave us some comments, please. We appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, everybody, have a great night. And again, happy Veterans Day. Salute to all those who serve and yes. have served and have sacrificed. Indeed. See, I got that in, Rob. Thank you very much. Happy right. Veterans Day. Have a great Wednesday. And uh, as always, peace. Yes. Please, Rob, as always, say toodle-loops to the folks. Toodle-loops, folks. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.